If you hate anxiety and want to learn what you can do to get rid of it, then you're in the right place. I'm Larry Quicksall, a mental health therapist with 30 plus years in the field. I've spent the past decade specializing in helping those with severe anxiety disorders, and today I'm bringing my knowledge, insight, and experience to this podcast. My goal is simple, to help you escape the pain and frustration of anxiety so you can better enjoy your life. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. In part three of my series on what is PTSD, I want to talk about criteria B from the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual Mental Disorders, DSM-5. <clears throat> and so when we, we've already covered that a person has to have experienced a trauma, now we're looking at some of the key categories of symptoms. And so criteria B is written as this. Presence of one or more of the following intrusion symptoms associated with traumatic events beginning after the traumatic event occurred. So this is all about intrusions. And the way I want you to think about an intrusion, if you have an intruder, that is an unwelcome guest in your home. You don't want it there. It just shows up. The person just shows up. Kind of like that relative that doesn't know when to leave. <clears throat> from an unexpected visit. Well, that's what intrusions are. They are aspects of the trauma that force their way into your consciousness and can sometimes even hijack your consciousness. So let's go down. There's five different ones that are listed. Number one, recurrent, involuntary, and intrusive <clears throat> distressing memories of the traumatic event or events. So they're recurrent. This isn't just thinking about it one time. This is recurrent. It is ongoing. It's involuntary. And that's key also. Some people actually make the choice of regularly thinking about the traumatic event. Now, after a period of time, it starts to become an automatic pattern, an automatic thought, because the way you think does modify structures in your brain. It, it, your brain will want to automatically think about things if you've done it long enough. So what may be a voluntary choice can become involuntary. But basically, what we're having is intrusions that, you know, they're recurrent and they're involuntary. We don't necessarily desire them. They just pop in of their own. And they're intrusive. We don't like it. They're distressing memories. It's from distressing aspects of the trauma. So that is the, the first one that we look at. And nearly everybody with PTSD has this. Number two, recurrent distressing dreams in which the content or the effect of the dream are related to the traumatic event. So here's, here's the way I look at that. Either... The dreams, and they're recurrent again. This is, this is an ongoing theme. It doesn't necessarily mean every night, but there are recurrent dreams where the content is of the trauma. So, if it's combat, it's of the combat situation. Or it may be a similar combat situation. Uh, or maybe even something that, you know, 
never even occurred, but it has that that theme that's going on. Uh, and then it's the same way with whatever kind of trauma that it actually is, if it's not like a military-based one. Or, and or the affect, A-F-F-E-C-T, the affect of the dream are related to the traumatic events. So whenever we talk about affect, and I spelled it out because affect, E-F-F, is different from affect, A-F-F. We use affect to describe uh, how someone's emotions are being projected. So it's it ties into the emotional aspect of it. And so what can happen is you can have dreams, you can have nightmares that are not on the surface appearing to be like the traumatic event at all, but the emotional theme is the same. So let's say you have a person who is uh, being chased by an attacker and that and and uh, there is an assault. Okay, that that is the trauma. You have a dream of being chased by an attacker or by the attacker. Now here what we're looking at with an affect type of dream is it's not the same location. There is no human attacker, but maybe it is where a person is being chased by an animal, pursued by an animal. You know, maybe it's a snake, maybe it's a rat, maybe it's a, you know, a bear, whatever it is. There is a theme of being chased in the same emotion as in the, the dreams that you're looking, where it's an actual, you know, in essence, retelling of the traumatic event. So the dreams can be either way. And I see a lot of the affect dreams taking place in people. Number three, dissociative reactions. This is where, when we look at dissociation, that's a very, very broad continuum. It goes from in the mildest state, it's kind of like daydreaming. With dissociation, you kind of lose touch with reality a bit and kind of you know, like in the movie Finding Nemo, you know, go to your happy place, go to your happy place. Well, in the mildest sense, it's like daydreaming. You're in class, you're in church, you're getting bored, and next thing you know, you're just lost in a daydream. On the extreme other end is where you find like dissociative identity disorder, where there's actually the creation of different alternate people, alternate personalities alternate egos that are that are created and take control of the body. So this is an extremely broad continuum. And so when we're looking at dissociative reactions, we're basically, in the common words, we're looking at flashbacks to some degree. So with a flashback, a person has some level of a loss of reality of where they're at right now, and they are being hijacked, as I look at it, they're being hijacked by the trauma memory. It comes flooding in, and it takes control of consciousness. It basically, it plays, it's kind of like if you were watching TV, and all of a sudden the, the station got hijacked, and other programming was put on. That's kind of in a way of what, you know, I guess, a way of describing a flashback. So let me read through the the this uh, number three, dissociative reactions or flashbacks in which the individual feels or acts as if the traumatic event were recurring. 
such reactions may occur on a continuum, so it may go from mild to severe, with the most extreme expression being the complete loss of awareness of present surroundings. Let me give you two examples that I have witnessed <coughs> with, with people where I work, and they're both uh, ones that are involving veterans. Uh, one was a person who had very frequent flashbacks. They would last sometimes for hours. The person would be stuck in the situation. And I had my office doorway open on one particular day, and a colleague was uh, taking this person back to their office. I happened to glance up, and I saw my colleague walk past my doorway. And a few steps behind was the client, and the client was walking backwards slowly uh, with their arms in uh, a position as if they were holding a rifle at waist level, and they were moving their arms back and forth as they were walking backwards towards that office. This person in their flashback episode was uh, uh, following up the rear of his squad protecting them from enemies from the back. That This is where you know the, the flashback put him back into that situation. He was interacting with what was going on around him, but when he would have the flashback, the people would look different. His, you know, the person that he was with, uh, my colleague, was dressed in military uniform in his perception. Not in reality, but in his perception. Second one, was uh, during a counseling session when a, a dissociative episode happened and the person was caught in a stare. And I happened to notice this and I asked, are you okay? And all of a sudden he looked up at me with a puzzled look and I said, are you sure you're okay? And then looked around and said, this isn't right. And he started pointing to things saying, this isn't in the country where he was. This wasn't there. This wasn't there. This wasn't there. And he said that he saw me as a person from uh, that military unit. But my he heard my words, but my words did not sync with the talking of the mouth in what he was seeing in his mind. So he had a partial connection with reality because he could identify things that didn't match where he believed he was. But then there was also that blending where he saw me in uniform, but my mouth was not syncing with the words. So the, uh, the flashback episodes can be, those are more severe ones. Um, they can last from a matter of seconds to minutes and sometimes hours. Number four, intense or prolonged psychological distress at the exposure to internal or external cues that symbolize or resemble an aspect of the traumatic event. Okay, that's just a lot of fancy language to simply say a person becomes highly distressed, highly emotionally distressed, when they either think about something related to the trauma or they see something out here in the real world that reminds them or connects them with the trauma. So they, they happen to have a thought 
a thought pops into their head about the traumatic event and they start experiencing significant, intense, long psychological distress over it. Or they see something in the environment that is a trigger and they that, that reminds them of it. So it may be, you know, uh, a person I know was in a an automobile accident, and there was a unique vehicle uh, involved. Whenever this person would see this unique vehicle just out on the road afterwards, that became a trigger for the person experiencing the intense and prolonged psychological distress. Finally, number five, marked physiological reactions to internal or external cues, internal being thoughts, external are the outside triggers, that symbolize or represent an aspect of the traumatic event. So this is similar to number four. You've got some sort of either an internal or an external trigger, but in number four, it's causing psychological distress. In number five, it's causing physiological effects. So you basically what most people will experience is the release of adrenaline because their sympathetic nervous system has been activated by the, uh, the trigger that they have either thought of or have seen. And so they start having the symptoms uh, many times of a panic attack. They may not have, you know, enough criteria or enough of the symptoms to qualify as a panic attack, but they're feeling the physiological distress. And again, from the majority of people will experience the distress that can relate back to adrenaline. Other people will have more of a freeze effect, which ties in with the parasympathetic nervous system and specifically the dorsal branch of the vagus nerve, uh, which has very strong correlation with the freeze aspect of an anxiety reaction. So here they're they're experiencing the physical sensations. Their heart rate increases. They feel upset to their stomach. Their blood pressure increases. They start sweating. They feel muscle tension. They seem to have a desire to want to pace or to get out of a situation. So those are some of the, the symptoms that can occur uh, during you know, under number five, the physiological distress. All right, that's it for intrusions. Next time, we will get into uh, avoidance, which that's a very important one. You don't want to miss that because it's one of the key things that keeps PTSD alive. All right, thank you much. Catch you next time. Bye. The I Hate Anxiety podcast is for educational purposes only. And while I am a therapist, this podcast is not counseling or therapy. If you need counseling or therapy, seek out the services of a licensed professional in your area. And if you are in crisis, call the Crisis Call Center at 1-800-273-8255 or dial 911 or your local emergency number or go to your local emergency room.